We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 389. Scott, how's it going? You still super pissed off about the Astros? It's all anyone's talking about. I mean, I'm not going to... I'm going to be very honest. I've had some... I've had a pretty good time making all of the different memes for for the Astros. And, uh, you know, because it's just utterly ridiculous that when, when I think about how they prepared for this and, like, doing all of the preparation for it, it just becomes more of a ridiculous thing in my mind of how these grown-ass men were trying to cheat the game. And... I think that all of the memes that are going across Twitter and Instagram and all of our social media are hilarious. And some of them are just absolutely gold. The one, the kid who tweeted out the, um, the, the gif of Springer looking back at the dugout with the eyes bulging. Oh yeah. Like the, the, you know, that moment when you get, <laughs> when you hear two bangs and you get a fastball instead of, 
a uh, a breaking a breaking ball. Like it's just it's just good. It's all really good stuff. And they're getting exactly what they deserve. They're getting they're getting just joked on hard throughout throughout social media. So I, I I'm enjoying that part of it. But you're starting to see some other teams, other players just get rumored. Like, did you see the um, Yelich Cle- Darvish oh, yeah. things? Oh no, I haven't paid attention to that. So but I, I saw so- players getting involved with the shit talking. Clevenger got well, involved. Like, certainly, that there's a lot of guys piling on the Astros. But then there was um, some. I forget what it was some some like Chicago Twitter handle tweeted out uh, a video of Yelich like maybe looking to left center field during a Darvish at bat and Darvish like stepped off. And then apparently there was a quote after that game. This game happened sometime in the middle of the season where Darvish was like, Oh, I kept stepping off because I kept thinking hitters were like looking at different places or something like that. So Darvish then replied to the tweet with something. And then, and then uh, Yelich piled on quote tweeted it being like no one needs help facing you something like that so you're just starting to see yeah i'm surprised yelich says that i i didn't really see much in the video like it, it kind of just looked like you know yelich was you know had something in his eye almost and he like made his eyes wide to like try and blink out like you know uh, something in his eye before a pitch came but i, I was i sort of said this last time we recorded that special uh, houston episode it's like I think this is going to be Pandora's box, sort of like the the PEDs, and you're just going to start seeing shit being thrown against the wall. Every team's going to get accused of something. Players are going to be sensitive, and yeah, obviously the Astros are doing something, and they're they're the poster child for this whole thing. But I think there's a lot of things to come. If MLB's doing like a a full investigation, I think more stuff is going to come out, and that's just bad. That's just bad. I mean. Yes, it'll create buzz for the base for baseball, but ultimately it's bad news. It's not MLB who I think is going to uncover anything. That I mean, those guys are probably the least of of the uh, you know of the concern I think for baseball to uncover stuff. It's the outside reporting. It's the it's the athletic. It's uh, the freaking uh, you know Jimmys of the world who are going through the videos and like just dissecting everything. And now everybody in the world is doing it. They're mm-hmm. going on YouTube and dissecting every single game of of the Astros, and they're going to start going to other teams because when fan bases are you know, at a point where, where their pitchers are struggling, they're going to be like, wait a minute. And they're going to start diving into all these games and, 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 you know, dissecting everything now. So, so yeah, I think the Pandora's box is open because of the media and the access that we all have. It's the access. Yeah. That, it's the access to, that everybody has to archive yeah. footage yeah. of every and game. And different feeds and everything. Like it's all there. It's all public and ready to go. And, and if you have an MLB TV account, and even if you don't, you can go to Reddit and find any of this stuff. Yeah, there's a go whole Reddit YouTube. thread. There's a whole Reddit thread of Astros games for like the past three years of different. And and it's also, yeah, a lot of it is certainly shady, but a lot of it's like, well, that, that could be nothing, but it's a sound and people are, are super. They'll latch on to it. Super sensitive. They're going to latch on to it. It's like, it could have been somebody just screaming in, in the stands, or it could be someone giving a signal. Like, we don't know. So what will be interesting, I think, this year is when we, when we start watching games and being at, li- at games live, uh, when anybody steps out of the box or anybody looks like they're sitting on pitches, breaking pitches especially, the crowd's going to get on their ass, especially the Astros. The oh, Astros there's going to be a lot of trolling that goes on for Astros games. The Astros, Astros are going to hear it bad on the road, and they're going to... You know, every every place they go, they're gonna get it. And and any little thing, if they see, if they're locked in, if they're having a good day, all speculation about them cheating in a new way, in some new fashion, 
and it's never gonna it's not gonna leave for a while. At right. least next year for sure it's gonna be thick, you know, probably through June. <laughs> I think the whole year. As soon probably as probably the whole year, but at the least Astros, through June. if the Astros win a game ten to two, it's they're gonna be like, Well, what did they know? What did they, they see? They knew something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they brought that on themselves. And we got a ton of mailbag questions about the Astros, and there's been more news that's going to come out. We'll get to those later in the show. A couple of housekeeping items, though. First, we have our spring training and the first two events of regular season next year set, ready to go. The dates are set. So spring training, we're going to be in Tampa March 14th weekend. The Yankees have a Saturday or Friday-Saturday game. We usually go to both of those games. Oddly I think it's enough, a Sunday, actually, too. They have a game on Sunday. It's a great weekend to go, period. Just it's, it's like a, the it's only weekend, weekend of the spring that they're home. Yeah. Like two consecutive day, at least two consecutive days. So we picked this weekend. I think it's the similar weekend we went down last year where we had close to 80 people come to that Saturday game. We have the, the little um, deck above the bullpen area. It's called the, it's called the bullpen club uh, that's down right the first, first base line. Yeah. And basically what we're setting up again is a, um, we'll have it on the, on the website probably this week, if, not, if it's not already up. But the, the, the package, again, will be similar to what it was last year. You get a game ticket. Um, you get the, the, uh, the bullpen club, um, which includes the game and, uh, and all you can eat. They have a big spread, a buffet that's really good food. Uh, and then they have it's essentially a, uh, a, the, any Pepsi product, water, and all the beer you can drink. So um, comes with the ticket. It's a, it's a beautiful price. And uh, it's a lot of fun. We have last year was a great time, and this year will uh, will probably be an even better time. So if you are, are planning a trip to spring training, definitely block off that weekend, and uh, you know just keep an eye on the site. We'll email everybody as well once the listing is up. But these are tickets that there's only a uh, a finite amount of tickets that are available for for the deck. Um, so these tickets are going to go. So And you can't access the deck without a ticket because there's wristbands right. to get up there. So don't just think, oh, I'm going to buy, buy a ticket for just standing room only, and then I'll, I'll walk up there. They're not going to let you up there. We have no control over that. You just have to have a ticket for that section, and you get a wristband when you walk yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. So, but if you haven't been to spring training before, so this, this is going to be our fifth year in a row going to spring training. Wow, prior, really? Five years? This, well, we've been four years in a row. So, yeah, next 2020 will be our fifth year. I had never been prior to that. And I'd always wanted to go, but I actually was blown away with how fun it was when, when we went down there because, you know, we've sort of said baseball is not the primary reason for going there. It's sort of to hang out. It's to get, get out of the cold of the Northeast and go to, go to Florida when it's actually bearable to be outside in Florida. You drink yeah. a few beers. You, you get ex- Everyone is so excited for the season. Yeah. That's my favorite part about it. It's talking baseball with people, and everyone's just so excited for what the – the possibility of that season's going to be, you know, usually Greg Bird hits a home run and then, and then breaks an <laughs> ankle. So that's always fun to talk about. Um, it's a real good time. And that, that weekend is going to be a ton of fun. We'll be at the Friday game as well. No event, but you know, buy a ticket. We're, we're walking around. We, we, we usually yeah, we have hanging a seat. Out with a whole bunch of people last year. We have a seat and we're in the seat for maybe a half an inning. And then we're walking around the rest of the time. So if you're going to be down there, definitely keep an eye out for, for the event that we're going to have and tickets for that. Also, the two regular, first two regular season events are set for next year, and they are damn good games. First one is Saturday, May 9th against the Red Sox. That's the first trip the Red Sox make to Yankee Stadium. That's going to be friggin' awesome. It's a Saturday. It's the first time we've had a Saturday Red Sox game event. Yeah. 
Yep. And then the next one is maybe the series I am like most intrigued about next year because we don't see this team a lot. It's the Cubs. The Cubs are coming to the Bronx, and we have Friday, June 26th game against the Cubs. Those two games are going to be sold out, and we're going to be in Section 205. Keep an eye out for those tickets. They're going to be on the website soon. Those tickets are going to go fast, so do not hesitate on those. Yeah, and uh, you know we have, we have five events that, that are done – basically set in stone for, for next year. We're just working out some details on, around the events themselves so that we can get them public. And we may put the tickets up just before all of the details are, are totally set just so you guys can mark your calendars and make sure you get on these tickets. And, and remember, um, we're doing the same thing we did for, for this year uh, in the playoffs. Next year, if you come to an event uh, that you get the priority for all the BP crew from, from that year gets priority for playoff tickets of, of that year. We're going to do the same thing again. That's going to be something that we do moving forward. And it's basically going to be, you know, we're going to try to cost control as much as possible the playoff tickets because they were out of control this year. They got absolutely ridiculous. And if we're, you know, lucky enough and, and, uh, and healthy enough and everything goes well and we get to the World Series because that's the, the goal – um, we saw how much those tickets were. The tickets were like on StubHub for $1,100 in Section 205. Insane. Uh, and we can get them at a much better cost if we all kind of stick together and do it this way. So this is a, a really good thing. Um, get those tickets. The other, ones will be a, uh, the other ones will be live soon as well. We're also looking at a couple road trips, uh, some minor league games. And then also the, the events that we just talked about are not including the, the event or the games that, are in, that came with um, 2019 playoff tickets that people purchased. So those tickets have not gone transferred to everybody yet because we don't have them available yet. The, the Yankees don't have the codes, any of that stuff. So that will be, those will be transferred closer to spring training. Um, and then last but not least, finally, we had a couple hiccups with, uh, with the factory that was, uh, that was making these hats, but the Savage hats are in, they look awesome. Uh, I'm really excited about these and they're going out this week to everybody. So um, nice little Christmas. keep an eye for it. Uh, Christmas yeah. present for everyone. Looks great. They look really good. The, the embroidery stuffer. looks awesome. It's a nice quality hat. Um, so these will be going out to Fourth all the people. Fourth night of Hanukkah gift. That purchased the uh, that purchased the package for the ALCS. Kwanzaa gift. Kwanzaa Festivus. You know whatever you want to be. Festivus gift. You don't get gifts on Festivus. You just yell at people. You air grievances. Well, maybe we're going to start giving gifts on Festivus. You air the grievances, then you exchange the gift. It's I hate soft. you. That's too soft. I hate you. It's too soft. Have this hat. Anything else? I think that's it, man. I think that's it. We got some Yankees news to, to touch on. So Carlos Mendoza was promoted to bench coach. He was the infield and quality control coach. Josh Bard is out. There was sort of nothing talked about with Bard. It just sort of they said, oh, Mendoza's going to take over as bench coach. And I was like, oh, man, what did Bard do? Well, Because Boone bought, brought Bard in when he was hired. This was a Boone guy. So, like, why are they making a change? And it just come, turns out that... I think Bard wants to be back home more, <laughs> and he yeah. uh, lives in Colorado, so I think he wants to be home with his family more. So nothing controversial there. So more pitching change or more uh, coaching changes in addition to the Matt Blake pitching coach um, with the Yankees. So now the staff, you know, has another piece of turnover. Two new guys in the dugout. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if it's a huge deal, but it's you know something to talk about, something in a slow news cycle because that's what MLB hot stove has become. It's just slow news. And Mendoza's been in the, in the uh, organization forever. People know him. So this is not a, a reach by any means. This is definitely a, uh, you know, a guy that, that everybody's familiar with. They know him um, from the organization. So this is, uh, this is a, uh, you know, I think, a nice fit. Uh, brings some good experience. And, uh, yeah, 
you know, what is he? He's really just a confident. He's just he's he's basically a consultant to Boone. That's at the end of the day. That's what the bench coach is. What kind of yeah? What bench coach should not be a yes man? No, he's a the guy bench that can coach things, should but he's, challenge everything. Absolutely, he should he should play devil's advocate. He should play the other side just for the purposes of creating a conversation and analysis to make sure you're making the right move. Boone's like, I'm going to go out and get him. Well, here's the argument against that. Let's talk about it. Okay, yeah, you're right. Let's go out and get him right now. Or, or you know, so that's what I think a bench coach is there for. But I thought you don't. I thought he doesn't make any real decisions. I thought that the uh, the numbers tell Boone what to do. So how is how could you speak against math? Well, maybe maybe the the nerds have an earpiece. In, oh no, you can't use earpieces. No, you can't do earpieces. Don't don't so, don't say that out. Don't throw that. Don't throw that voodoo out there. So maybe they brainwashed the bench coach. Maybe Just that's to, why. Maybe that's why Bard's gone because he was Mendoza's, not listening to the nerds. Mendoza is a company guy. Right, Mendoza's going to listen to the tunnel nerds. <laughs> so this so not the tunnel trash cans. He's going to listen to the tunnel nerds. Yeah, they have their own little coding system. But but I you know. The, uh, but yes, the I, I, I joke about that. But yes, he, he should be a guy that challenges the other side of things for on on uh, on field decisions. Because when you're looking at something through you know only one pair of glasses, you know you might not be able to see it uh, you know the the correct way. You have tunnel vision sometimes. I think when making decisions. So having another guy with with uh, you know the other side of it, whatever that is, is helpful. I think people always credited Don Zimmer. For a lot of Joe Torre's success, he brought another element to Joe Torre. Joe Torre was the father figure. He was the what did we call him? What was the the uh, the good dad, the stern dad, and the the fun dad or whatever? Joe Torre was the good dad. Don Zimmer was able to sort of uh, play a different role in that '90s dugout that Joe Torre was playing. And that's I, I, I you know reading some books, I read. Um, Joe Torre's the Yankee years, and he credited a lot of stuff to to Don Zimmer in that book. Also, a little shout out to um, we've got some book reports going up on the website now, and the next one up is going to be uh, Joe Torre Yankee years. So if you have read that book, that'll be up in two weeks as a as a book review. There you go. The um, I think the thing about Zimmer, I mean, it was a very different relationship because Zimmer had man- managerial experience at that point. He was you know deep into his career uh, with Torre, and they had a dynamic that was you know, extremely different than, than what's, what's happening with, with these guys and, uh, you know, with all the numbers and such. I think those guys are really laying uh, and leaning on their experiences. And obviously with them both being in the league for as long as they were, both having managerial experiences, they're, they're leaning on those, those different circumstances and experiences to, to make decisions. So I think the, the conversations were very different, but similar in the sense that they're looking at different, different angles of, uh, of a decision. This also came out this week, I think, uh, because of the Astros scandal. So Phil Nevin threatened to beat up the hitting coach of the Houston Astros after the game one whistlegate. And he said, I'm going to tell, tell your effing hitting coach I'm going to kick his effing ass. I think he yelled that at Bregman, I believe. And it's so, it's so um, in hindsight, such uh, a funny thing how Hinch and the entire Astros team was mocking the Yankees calling them out for this whistling, right? Well, they were. He was doing it publicly. Behind the scenes, they all knew. I'm, I'm convinced oh, yes. that they all knew. Now, did you watch that AJ Hinch press conference? Of, no, I think it was before Game Two. So this was another clip going around. Oh yeah, Twitter. I've seen the, I've seen the, the bits from this one. He went into that, and it was now in hindsight such a contrived, prepared thing he was going to say when he said, 
oh, if we had known that this was going to get under the Yankees' skin, we would have practiced this in spring training. He went into that like he had rehearsed that in the mirror a thousand times because he knew this was a real thing, and he was trying, he was scratching and clawing, trying to figure out how am I going to bury this so people do not think it's a story. It's now well, so obvious what well, he was you, doing in that press conference. Well, the other thing is, uh, you know, the reason Nevin makes this this comment, which I love, by the way, uh, I think it's 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 amazing. It's an amazing, it's a it's great that Nevin is is uh, is being vocal about this because at this point, both teams, the Yankees know that they're stealing signs, and the Yankees most likely know that they're stealing signs using technology. And they're doing it in a way that is, you know, not legitimate based on the the gameplay, fair gameplay and all this stuff. And the reason why I think they all know and I think the entire league knows internally what was happening is because there's too many people talking. There's too many too much crossover. Cameron Mabin was on that 2017 team. Cameron Mabin is now obviously on the Yankees and it was on the Yankees for a while. You don't think he's going in there and telling people exactly what was going down? Guarantee he is. He's probably listening for certain noises. They, they probably had, if it wasn't the trash can, it was the whistling. If it wasn't the whistling, it was X. If it wasn't X, it was Y. And going down that list, like if you hear these noises, they're picking up on the signs. So that's why I, I the whole plan for the, the Astros thing. falls apart though. Why, how what, are they the fact so that the other teams? Yeah, the fact that they know some players on their teams are going to eventually be on other teams who play you. I, know, I, yeah. I, just, I just don't understand how they could be so stupid to think that this would never get out. Because it's not like you don't change p- personnel, whether it's right. coaches or players. I mean, Alex Cora went to the Red Sox, and then the Red Sox immediately <clears throat> called them out the following postseason for stealing signs. How the hell do you think they knew how that was coming? Oh, because Alex Cora was in there. He was one of the ones orchestrating everything. So no shit he's going to know what to look for. And the Red Sox are going to be extra sensitive to this sort of, sort of uh, thing when they're playing Houston. I think what this does is, is it speaks to the, the very specific level of arrogance that A.J. Hinch and that organization has uh, with a lot of different things. A lot of different things. I mean, look at look at their the arrogance and the way that they played their cards with um, – with the assistant GM making making the statements about domestic violence and, and and you know making that whole thing try to go away by denying even though plain sight people heard it people were there people witnessed what was going on and they still deny it it's like their arrogance is such a high level that they they're like oh we're just going to deny everything and then it'll go away no it doesn't go away when people are there and witness and 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 can can you know have firsthand experiences of what the accounts were so it's just I think it's it's so deep into that organization the arrogance. Um, I saw something about the uh, the minor leagues too and the the um, you know them them going after the the changes in the minor leagues. It's just these guys they think on a different level and it's not a level that the majority of uh, of our society can can relate to and can understand. And it's that arrogance level. They're just at a different they're at a different point with that arrogance and they think that absolutely nobody can step on them. Because well, do you they think the they were Astros. banking? Were they banking on every team is doing something, so no one's going to call us out because they don't want to get in trouble themselves? Kind of again, like the PEDs thing, where Barry Bonds is taking horse steroids and hitting a thousand home runs and has a, a million on base percentage, but he's like, "Well, no one's going to call me out because the pitcher's doing it, and the third baseman over there is doing it, and the right fielder on the other team is doing it." I think that's a big. I think that's a big thing. I think, you know, on a smaller level. I think the the pine tar, the pine tar is also a thing when you're in game and you see the pine tar glaring, 
Like it was, it was very, it was out of character when the Red Sox called out Michael Pineda because that happens all the time. That, that is definitely something that is happening in baseball consistently. And the fact that he called them out, I think really took everybody in the game uh, aback. And, and I think this is similar to that level where they're not saying anything because you know, where's the gray area? Yeah, they're doing it, but we don't know exactly specifically, even though we know that they might be using it, I can't prove it. But you know, all these different things that they're, they're considering within an argument of saying, of calling somebody out, well, you better have everything in a row or else, you know, it's going to look really bad on you. So I and think there's, there's a great That's a good area. comparison with the Pineda Pine Tar because he got called out because it was so obvious. It was glistening on his neck, right? It wasn't hidden in the glove. It wasn't on his cap. It wasn't under the brim of his hat. It was on his neck for every yeah. TV camera and every person at home to see. Sort of like the Astros doing it so obviously, smashing trash cans in the clubhouse, having whistles right uh, in the stands and there's also more information now where apparently in certain situations where you could not hear these loud noises they had their their coaches in the bullpen giving hand signals for for certain pitches right so they had backup plans to all these different things you go so obvious with it a team has no choice or reporters have no choice but to call you out it's like seeing a little red light somewhere over center field you know like that's a that's a um, on air for a camera, it's just like a little red light. That's it, it, like if that—that that to me would, would be the pine tar, like glistening in the in the light. If you saw some like little like uh, you know a, a light on a camera, no, that, the that pine was so tar, clear that it was going. The pine tar was like someone in the club in the dugout with a megaphone saying, "A changeup is coming, er, er, a changeup is coming." That's how friggin' obvious Pineda was with that pine tar. You know, I think, and I don't know if this has been talked about because the, there's the internet is 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 uh, is a vast place. It's wide. Uh, so I, I'm not abreast to every single thing, every single conspiracy theory that's gone out there. But here's mine. I think there's something up with that train. There is something up with that train. I think the guy that was up there that fell asleep really probably wasn't asleep. Possibly camera, um, you know, somewhere on his body. The, the, uh, the, the, the whistle on the train, definitely something to do with the way that they're, they're moving signals. And I guarantee there's cameras in that train. Guarantee there's cameras in that train. Maybe. Yeah, and it moves. Rumors- it depends on, you know, what you need well, it a moves vantage after, point. It moves when someone hits a home run. Well, but lot, there were rumors to be happening. There's been rumors that the Blue Jays have cameras behind the glass in, in their center field in their stadium. That would make all too much sense. I mean, the, the Yankees were, were penalized for something in 2016, I believe. It was either 16 or 17 for taking pictures that they shouldn't have been taking. So... It's sort of like, you know, the Yankees got a slap on the wrist. The Red Sox got a slap on the wrist. This is not going to be a slap on the wrist for the Astros, I think, because of the high-profile nature of it. And MLB needs to make an example. And whether every team in baseball is stealing signs or not, if only five teams in baseball are stealing signs, if it's only the Astros, it doesn't matter. The Astros are going to be made an example of, and they should be made an example of. But I think the ultimate goal for baseball, we have a mailbag question about penalty that we'll get to in a minute, but... The ultimate goal for baseball should be to clean this shit up. That should be their message with whatever penalty they hand down on the Astros is, hey, other teams, don't do this because you're going to get what the Astros got times a thousand. That's the thing. It's, it's, it, they have to stop it. They have to stop it directly in its, in its tracks, no pun intended. They need to, they need to end it right now. And, and by doing that, you – I mean, I think when you see the, the penalties for the way that the uh, – what, what the Cardinals did, what the Braves did – 
those were those were steep penalties. I mean, taking away the picks from the Braves was a big deal in in their minor league system from uh, the the international pool signings. Those were that was a big deal. And I think if you come down, uh, I've heard people talking about the fact that you need to uh, at some point. Uh, Buck Showalter was talking about it um, on Michael K. I think where you have to affect them so that it takes wins. It affects them next year. However way you do it, like next year, right now, it affects You're not going to go back in history and games. change anything. That's no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about some kind of a penalty that, that, that affects in the way that they can, their ability to win games in 2020. Like an immediate, something yeah, that, that hits them in the, in the gut. Because they were doing something that was helping them win games in 2017, 18, and 19. So do something that's going to negatively impact them in 2020 and maybe even more than that. But, but I'm, I think it's, you know, you, you find them, you take away picks. That's something that hurts them down the road. If you hit them in the, in the gut now, I don't, and I don't know what that penalty could be. We'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah there could be a lot of things. of things. But suspending who? A, a manager? Does that really make a huge difference? Could. The holidays are almost here, and you know what that means. Gifts, baby. And what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right? Unlike most brands, Untucked shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untucked shirts always fall at just the right length, no matter his size, so he looks casual and sharp. Uh, one of the big frustrations I personally have when you're trying to wear a shirt untucked, if you're going out to you know a bar to grab a drink, or you're going out to dinner with whomever, you're not trying to look super formal you're trying to go for that casual look but you still want to look good that is frustrating when you're buying a shirt that is meant to be tucked in untucked shirts are not like that the beautiful thing is you can choose your styles like wrinkle free button downs super soft flannels outerwear and more it's beautiful because with untuck it your shirts will never look baggy bulgy or too long or too big again their website is very very easy to use you even have whole page devoted to helping you find your fit so whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or you're just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com. Use promo code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's untuckit.com. Promo code BLUE for 20% off. So I wrote something about Didi this week on the website, and I titled it, The Yankees' Relationship with Didi is Coming to an Ugly End. Maybe that was a little bit of an exaggeration for effect, but I really do think that between what Brian Cashman said about Didi and his free agent status this week, I believe, at the GM meetings, and then what Didi's been putting up on social media, I do see this going down an ugly road. So Cashman was quoted... Um, at the GM meetings, he said, I can't. He was asked if it was more or less likely that Didi resigns the longer he stays on the market. And he says, I can't tell you less likely. I can't tell you less likely or more likely. I can just tell you Didi was a great player for us. He's a free agent now, so it's going to be competition for his services. The way, the way, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but the way he's saying, I can just tell you Didi was a great player for us. He's talking in the past tense. Sort of like a thank you, Didi. We appreciate what you did. We're moving on sort of vibes I'm getting. So you want to hear Didi has been a great player for us in the past? Something along those lines. It's not as definitive of a, a statement saying that he's gone. Well, I was, just think... Because was is, 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 is significantly like they're no longer there. No, Yeah, and it could has be... Has been, could be I acknowledge that could be nothing. But when 
if if Cashman's just speaking candidly and he drops a was in his mind, if he's thinking, well, we're moved on from Didi. He was great for us. He replaced Derek Jeter. He did all these great things. He came back from Tommy John surgery sooner than expected. He hit postseason home runs that meant a lot to people. But that's in the past, and we're thinking about the future now. I think that uh, – so I, I heard re- a really interesting – statement by uh by sweeney murdy he was talking i think on sny when he does his like his video uh his video bit in studio and he said something really interesting about the way that cashman talks last year during free agency uh they were apparently cashman got a slap on the wrist when he essentially said that he wasn't going to go and, and go after some of the uh bigger free agents like harper and machado and because of that literally after that after he made the statements that you know they're not uh, they're not going after them hard or whatever the statement was. He that's when the we are a fully operational Death Star comment came out yeah. saying we are going all out. And and I think what and that that's doing, lie. yes, what that's doing is is baseball is saying you know Brian you cannot go out there and say definitively that you're not in people because now what you're doing is you're taking away from the competitive nature of free agency for the other teams. Yep. So there is part of the collective bargaining agreement and part of all of the um, the different. Uh, aspects of negotiating within baseball and contracts. These guys can't come out and definitively say those things because it will affect the way that the media portrays it and it can affect a guy's standing in free agency and affect their money. And the free, and the uh, the players' union hates that. Don't do that. I want the Yankees in as long as possible. That's what the players' union wants. So when, when you hear anything that Cashman says about any player or anything, all of it has to be taken with a grain of salt. Because one is strategic, I think, for everything that he says. He is coy about certain things in certain ways. He is definitive about certain ways, uh, about certain people strategically as well. None of it makes any relevance to me in the way that they're actually operating behind the scenes. No. No, and he's always said he's in on... With the exception of last year where he didn't specifically in the first part of the winter name names until after when he got that slap on the wrist, he's always said we're in on the market. We're, he loves using the word marketplace too. Have you noticed that? Well, yeah. we're evaluating the marketplace and we're going to be – we're going we're gonna to internally speak about all of these guys. Uh, yeah, that's what he has to do. And Anthopolis for the um, – who's he the GM? The Braves, right? He got in trouble this week for some comments he made where he – kind of casually slipped in that he had conversations with other teams GMs which is a no-no because the players association what that triggers in their mind I mean they just had the GM meetings of course they all had conversations with other teams GMs but I have the quote written down here (laughs) I mean Um, I don't know how you get a slap on the rest they literally all just met together in 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 a at a hotel so this was taken from an article. Braves GM Alex Anthopoulos made some questionable comments on a conference call saying Atlanta, quote, had time to connect with 27 of the clubs to get a sense of what they are going to look to do in free agency. Okay, and so that's different. He, he, said, I, I later, he said later that he misspoke. Because what that indicates for the players is like, hey, you going after so-and-so? It, 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 it infers collusion is what collusion it Collusion is what it yes. infers. And that's been a big topic of conversation in the last few winters where players have not received the offers that were projected that they would receive. And also the speed at which guys are signed has slowed down to a frigging crawl. And two of the best free agents to ever hit the market, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado last year, weren't signed until spring training. Yeah, all these other sports, NBA, NFL, these guys are signed with in days, if not hours, of free agency starting. And you have baseball with these mega free agents, and it just drags and drags and drags. I don't know if there's collusion or not, but there's I understand. There's collusion. There's 100 percent collusion. There's I collusion understand in every sport. 
I understand the suspicion, and I think there's a, there, there's a lot of evidence to support that there is collusion going on, which is bad news for baseball because this is a slow news cycle. <laughs> I started last show talking about this. Instead of talking about Garrett Cole, who should have won the Cy Young Award, signing a great contract with a new team and having that be a headline for Major League Baseball, they have Astros sign-stealing as the headline for Major League Baseball. That sucks just from a general, if you're a baseball fan, perspective. Yeah, it's fun to talk about and it's fun to, to tweet about, but that's not what MLB PR wants them to be talking about. No, but I do think that MLB enjoys the the uh, the whole news cycle of of teams getting involved and fan bases getting involved, having the hope of signing a guy for a longer period of time. Because that hope, you know, for Machado and Harper really continued for you know four or five teams probably through February into March. It was you know, like too that, long, though. Don't you agree? It was too long. I agree, it was too long. But I think that they do enjoy that that period of time where you know you have Thanksgiving and you have. Uh, Christmas and somewhere in those in those holiday months and you have all families getting together for different holidays you have all of this talk uh, and, and hope of of signing a new guy whereas the guy isn't signed yet I don't know just taking it out I think there's an element of that but I do believe a lot of it is because this old boys club talks a lot and I think that they they do they they take their time signing these guys they are guaranteed contracts so it's different than the NFL Basketball is probably a better comparison uh, as far as guaranteed money, but they're shorter deals. And you don't and have so one singular superstar in the NBA makes or breaks. Your it's, team. it's a huge difference. It's a huge difference in the way that the, the stars are out there. Exactly. And the, um, the injury history is not the same. There's a lot of different aspects that the amount of games is different. There's just a very different, uh, different, different sports cycle as well uh, for those two teams, but I, for those two sports. But I think that the, it's been, uh, you know, it's been going on forever. These GM meetings, these winter meetings, these guys all get together and talk. They all drink scotch together and smoke cigars, and they're and and you know they're talking about their balance sheets and they're talking about all these different things of what's happening. That's happening. That is absolutely happening, and it happens during the season too. <laughs> what I think is happening more more now is that you have different people making important decisions at for Major League Baseball teams, and you don't have like you described the old boys club having a dick measuring contest saying, oh, I'm going to sign this guy for seven years. I'm going to sign this guy for eight years. You have nerds with evaluation sheets saying, no, this is the number you have to hit and don't go over it. And you have owners buying into those nerds saying that. So now you have owners mandating, no, this is you. This is what this guy is worth. This is what you're going to sign him for, or you're not going to sign him. And you have agents trying to fight for clients. So I think we're just going through a period where the market is being refigured out. I really do believe that. That we're, these last few years have been a shift in the market. And it's just taking a while to adapt. It's taking a while for teams to adapt because some teams are still not operating like that. And some teams are. But guys are still getting paid. I mean, guys are still getting money. Of course, they're still getting they're still, they're still getting... So, I mean, you're talking but, about the market reshuffling, though. It hasn't really affected the price point. Because um, guys are... It has... A, when you look so, at what Corbin got, I mean, like I keep looking back at that contract and what Darvish got because they're those are those are two big contracts those for, are the, for guys that probably didn't deserve it at that point. And what the market is now almost setting the market is setting up for what you can do and what you have the potential to do as well, especially for Corbin. That contract was all about what you're going to do in the future, not what you've done in the past. And that's 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 different. what a contract should be, though. It, that's true, but but they're taking 
leaps of faith in that in that regard. Whereas a guy like Price, when he signed that huge contract, or Scherzer showed at least part of, in in, in to a larger extent, it was more than a year of what, you know, a year and a half, two years of what they can do. They've showed dominance. They've showed that they can be that guy. They're not, they weren't necess- they weren't by by any means at the end of a a, a career, but they had some that um, they had some show me. Whereas Corbin was hurt, you know, maybe showed a year, year and a half of of what he could be, and now they're projecting, and all the analytics are are saying, well, now he's healthy. Now this is what he can be. This is this is exactly what we think this guy can be for five years. It's different. Yeah, some teams are. I think and some it depends teams, on how comfortable you are. I think with those numbers and and how confident you are in the people that are uh, creating these these you know um, analytics. Some and teams are not as disciplined. I think some teams are not as disciplined, and then they see a guy still on the market and they say, "F it, we're going to sign him." I think Maybe. that happens. I think that happened with the Cubs and Darvish. Yeah, that Darvish contract is ludicrous. It's crazy, especially when you know That's what he was exception. coming off of. Six years of Darvish for Darvish at that age and that performance, I think, was the exception. Um, I, I mean, I, so I showed you players. the numbers. You, you can't call them as an exception when there's two of them back to back. It's it's only two though. There's um, but that's what a precedent is. That is exactly Quato, what a precedent is. Cueto, uh, um, Samarja, and um, Zimmerman, and there was Samarja one... never deserved a contract in the first place. That that that, no. that one is just crazy. no. We're in the context of Zach Wheeler. He fits into that realm, and all those guys got four years. He's a much better pitcher, and that was years ago. That was before this contracts. That was before the Darvish contract and before the Corbin contract. And when you look at a guy like Wheeler in today's analytical world, they see a lot of very, very positive things on the guy. Sure. You see what, he's, what he did with the Mets, and you see moving forward, and I think a lot of nerds think that that guy could be take another step. I think they, you know, we, we look at Garrett Cole now as Garrett Cole, the guy that dominated 26 games in a row or however many it was, that was unhittable for months and months. But before that happened, he was a guy coming out of Pittsburgh that had a four ERA that was coming off of an injury. And Wheeler is very similar to that, to that, you know, that, that style of, of um, you know, the numbers may not, even though I think his, his numbers are actually better with the Mets than, we, than Cole had with the Pirates, he's got that ability. He's a big guy, 6'3", built well. And, and he could be that, that you know, if you can take the analytics and, and tweak the things that you, you think you could tweak on him and take that next step, it's a very similar case. Yeah, you're going to have to have a lot of confidence that what you're signing Wheeler to, if you're signing him for like a five or six year contract, you have to have a lot of confidence that you're right on that because that is, could potentially be disastrous. Yeah, I mean, chalk it up. The amount of you can't play scared. There's so many disaster contracts that the Yankees are currently dealing with, and that are across baseball. They're just well, going to continue to happen. So you're either right or you're contract. not. You're you're right. The CC contract could have been a disaster too. If 2009, if that first year didn't happen, that could have been that would have been labeled probably a a, a bad contract. Yeah. So getting back to Didi and what. I think he's seeing the writing on the wall because he's putting out a lot of Instagram stuff. He actually commented on the George's Box Instagram post yeah. about Didi. And then he he uh, put up an Instagram story sort of saying, well, I guess I can't put strong quotes on my Instagram because people are going to run with it and make stories out of it. Yeah, duh. Like, come on, Didi, be, be smarter than that. Of course they're going to do that. You're a free agent, and if you're a professional athlete and you put strong quotes on your Instagram – People are going to make a story out of it. That's not new. That happens to everybody. So don't play dumb, Didi, in that. 
And I think he's getting pissed off. I think he's getting pissed off because he wants to stay with the Yankees. He feels like he deserves to stay with the Yankees. And it doesn't seem like he's going to stay with the Yankees. Not for, not for what, what he could probably get with other teams. I think there's going to be a level of, I mean, I think it's going to be competitive. I mean, that was the reason why we didn't put it in the GM plans. Uh, not, not that we didn't want Didi on the team, because I still think he fits on the team. And I still think there's an opportunity for him to sign here. And, and he could be a, a valuable player moving forward. But it's going to have to be at Brian Cashman's cost. It's going to have to be, he's going to have to play the game that Brian Cashman wants to play as far as the money. Because he literally, if, it's, if, it's, if you're looking at the Yankees in a box and just a tunnel with, with Didi and, and where he wants to play, the Yankees have the leverage because they have Glaber Torres and because they have DJ LeMahieu right now under contract for one more year. I think also if they were to go out and, and extend LeMahieu, like zero leverage now. For, for Didi with anything because now you're you are locked in for a guy that is controlled and a guy that's under contract for years where where does Didi even fit in at that point and also his performance this year I know he's coming off an injury but this season saw a record number of home runs and slugging percentage for so many players because of the juice ball and Didi had his worst offensive performance as a Yankee even worse than 2015 this year that's yeah. how bad he was in a season in which everyone was hitting home runs so that yeah. that creates low leverage for for a free agent, and it sucks. It's just bad timing. Um, and this is something we haven't really talked about: is these Francisco Lindor rumors. I we haven't talked about it because I don't believe the Yankees. They're unsubstantiated. They're the same rumors that came out last year about Cleveland just getting rid of people for nothing. And also, Lindor is entering his final year of arbitration. He's yeah. he's a fantastic player. He ranks eighth in Major League Baseball in F WAR since 2017. Just a little note, Judge ranks sixth. So, I mean, he's in that realm of player. He's 26 years old, switch hitting shortstop. But you're, you're talking about a massive package that you'd have to send to Cleveland for them to send him to the Yankees. And I just don't see that the Yankees have those needs to give, to give Cleveland. I, it, I don't the, see a they don't, I don't think they have the. I don't think they have the depth in the organization right now to – to make a trade like it would first of all it would clean their organization out as far as the uh, the, the top level you're giving out significant amount of prospects and i'm not sure the top prospect who well jason dominguez is the top prospect he's not going to be traded but you start looking underneath that you're looking at debbie garcia you're looking at floriel um you know i'm not sure it's enough to get a lindor uh maybe no, they would they would the be looking for also major league caliber young players yeah, probably. I mean, if you if you put in a, a package of, I mean, this wouldn't work probably because Frazier came from that organization and they kind of know what, what he is. But let's just for argument's sake, you put in a, fra- a package of Frazier, uh, Floriel, and Debbie Garcia. Like that is the type of thing that you, or or maybe even a um, uh, an Andujar. Like that's the type of package you would be getting for, for Lindor when you don't really need a shortstop right now. Right. Yeah. You'd be looking Why at Why would that. you do that? You'd be looking at that, but you're also then trading Frazier and, and, and Duhar. I don't see them getting traded this winter. They have very low value right now. But even if they were traded and you and then you were to get rid of Floriel and Garcia, who are you know, your two best prospects, why would you why would you get rid of your best assets that your best tradable assets for a position of strength that's currently on your team? I don't because, know. I wouldn't call it a position of strength because you'd oh, still like Glaber to have- Torres today is the starting shortstop. No, That's I know a position that. of strength. Okay. I'm, I guess I'm looking at it more from the infield as a whole. No, look at it as the shortstop alone because you have to look no. at the player. I don't, think you, I don't think the Yankees are looking at it that way, though. 
Why would they not? How could you not do that? Because you're it, not just the point is you because you're not the, just filling better. shortstop or not filling shortstop because it depending on who, if you if you acquire or sign a shortstop that affects second and third base and potentially first base it affects the entire infield it's not just plug and play at shortstop because then LeMahieu shifts around Glaber goes back to second base that affects Geo's playing time and Duhar's playing time that affects Voigt and whoever else is at first base playing time you have to look at it as the infield as a cohesive unit it's still a position of strength. For the Yankees right now, but does it's not, it's not okay? Let me let me let me rephrase that. Is it a, is it a point of weakness? No, it's not a point of weakness. And, and why does, would you why would you trade your why would you trade your best assets for an area that's not a weakness on your team to fill a void? Because I you're, I, you're, I think if you add Lindor to the infield, your infield is better. Okay, but I don't know if it's, it's I don't know significantly if it better. Francisco Lindor is a better shortstop at this point in time than Glaber Torres. But Glaber Torres is on the brink of becoming a superstar and yeah. only getting better at second base. Oh, he's a superstar. And then DJ LeMahieu is a Swiss Army knife who can play a good third base, a great second base, and a good yeah. first base. Like, how the, can, uh, It does make I'm not, I'm not, better. No, 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 no. I'm not arguing that. But the, the problem, the, the thing that you're not looking at is those tradable assets that you're now turning into that, uh, making yeah. a better infield, you would could turn into a starting pitcher that makes your is, team better. Yes. Could you find a better use for those assets? Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. That's the whole point. You have to fill your the, the voids of your team. You're still you're, what you'd be doing is trading your assets for a position of strength, which makes no sense on a team like this. Well, the Yankees have done that before. They did it with Stanton. The outfield was, in theory, right-handed power was not a position of weakness for the Yankees, and they acquired. But they didn't. Giancarlo they didn't give Stanton. up anybody. They didn't give up top prospects. For you him. didn't give up top prospects, but under the way the Yankees operate now, you are preventing. You're giving up. Um, Luxury space. tax space, yeah, that, which I mean, might be more important than assets at this point to the Yankees. Yeah. No, you're, you're for right. For the next it, 10 years, when you, for a when decade, you look at it that way, it they can committed to 25 plus million dollars of luxury tax space. That is no small thing to commit to. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money that could have gone to a, 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 a pitcher. There's no doubt. So. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, uh, you look at the guy and um, they, they made that decision and they're moving in that direction. <laughs> It's crazy. It's kind of crazy when you think about that. Yeah. <clears throat> As I'm coughing and losing my voice. So I uh, want to just briefly touch on these MLB awards. Can we all agree, though, th- that this is nonsense? They're horseshit? Yeah. MLB awards are nonsense. And I, I, I say it every year. I'm not going to get upset about it. And I'm really not upset that, that Aaron Boone didn't win manager of the year. I don't think a Yankee manager is going to win manager of the year. I just don't see well, it. Not, not anymore. I mean, when you look at what he did this year and you see the, I mean, like it was set up beautifully for him to win it this year. And second year, literally second year in a dugout, second year in a dugout wins 103 games with this injury, uh, with this injury list. I mean, it's, it's absolutely set up and taking the AL East, which is, you know, the, the probably it is the most difficult uh, division in the American league. So it was, a, it made no sense. No, because the, the twins, writers, really, writers are never going to vote for the Yankees because of the resources that they have. Despite all the injuries, they still have way more resources than most teams. Look at the Rays. This was from Ken Rosenthal. The Rays used 57 players and 33 pitchers. Only three players, Adamas, Morton, and Pham, were on the active roster all season. They did all of that. They got to the playoffs and took Houston. I know these v- awards are voted on before the playoffs, but they got to the playoffs, which was not expected of them. And they did that with one-tenth of the resources that the Yankees have. So if you want to make an argument for a team that overcame a lot, vote for Kevin Cash. 
not Rocco Baldelli, who also did a great job with the Twins, but it's also it, very you can't. I mean, I don't know how you could possibly give the manager of the year to a to a, a manager that's in the same division of the other guy that's in there that did it with the injury history. Someone of the tweeted me this. It's they should rename it to Small Market Manager of the Year. I saw that. Yeah, and I right. mean that's essentially what it's become. Yeah, you're never gonna have teams that you're never going to have a Dodgers manager, a Yankees manager, a, a, a Red Sox manager when you're spending 200 plus million dollars on payroll. Despite the didn't fact Madden, that didn't Madden win it though? When they, when they, the Cubs spent the boat ton of money. You'll have rare instances where a team has just been garbage for X number of years and then finally overcomes. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to win it. Uh, Tory won it one year. Didn't he? Probably. Didn't he win it in the nineties one year? So you're going to get those, but you're never at this point. The Yankees are a machine that you're not going to get voted for. And then Verlander wins the Cy Young. Everyone was up in arms about that because Cole had important categories like strikeouts and ERA that were better. Whatever. Verlander won. He also had a great year and Trout won his third MVP. So good awards. We let's all talk about awards. As the Verlander, the Verlander numbers are, are pretty funny because when you see them, you know, back to back with, uh, with Cole, same team, same circumstances, essentially. And Cole's numbers were just better. They were and, just and flat was, out better. Yeah. He, yeah, they were just better. And he was he was absolutely dominant. Uh, so I don't really he understand. He didn't throw I a no-hitter. I don't really even understand how you, that, I, I really think so. the no-hitter was like the difference. But and that's, more, not even, more that's not even like a thing anymore. <laughs> I know. That's, I know. That's not even like what – I mean, what's – the amount of no-hitters now that um, – are, are in baseball, it's it's not even as, uh, as as glamorous as it used to be. So I no. don't know why that's such a thing. Garrett Cole should have won, but whatever. Um, you don't get angry over it because it's stupid to get angry. All right, we're going to get to mailbag questions, but first, some words from Sleep Number. Sleep Number, the holiday season is here. How do you thrive during the holiday season? How do you balance sleep, holiday planning, and making time to purchase the perfect holiday gift for the special people in your life? The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed helps everyone get the proven quality sleep that will change their life. Sleep Number beds allow you to adjust on each side to your ideal firmness, comfort, and support. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to keep you sleeping comfortably throughout the night. With Sleep IQ technology inside the bed, it tracks how you're sleeping so you can know every morning how well you've slept and gain insights for your best sleep. That is actually pretty damn cool. And with all these analytics that Scott and I have talked about with Major League Baseball and the trends of analytics, now you can get some analytics on your sleep in your bed. Um, that's, that's one of the coolest things. Uh, I think about this bed. Experience the smart, effortless comfort to, of the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed during the ultimate Sleep Number event. Save an incredible 50% on the Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time only at Sleep Number at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You'll only find Sleep Number at one of their 600 Sleep Number stores nationwide. For one near you, go to sleepnumber.com slash Bronx. Again, sleepnumber.com slash Bronx. Mailbags. The first one is from Paul Middlecoff. Do you think as a response, the Astros, as a response to the Astros scandal that MLB would ever consider allowing the pitcher and catcher to communicate electronically instead of through signs? A small device could be put on the back or the side of each of their gloves that allows them to select a pitch and then send it to the receiver in the other glove. 
So this is another big topic that I've heard is how do you then avoid sign stealing? You know, punishment is one, but how do you take that out entirely of the game so you don't even have to worry about it? I don't think you have to take it out of the game. That's the thing. Because if guys are doing it, you know, with their own abilities, uh, then they should it should be allowed. I, I think... I think we're getting down into a, a very weird wormhole here if you start adding more technology to this game in in play. Uh, when you start adding more technology and different devices and things like this that are elect- sending electronic signals, you're really opening up an area now that is um, that, that I don't know if we want to get into and I don't think they should get into. Right. And, and Who's I, to say and, hacker nerds from the upper deck for, for, the, for your own team aren't send, sending signals to the players about what's going on? So... Yeah, this, this you, could you, absolutely happen. I think you create more problems than you're going to solve with something like electronic. But it's it's uh, you know it, it's almost it's almost naive to think that that's not going to be the case because of what you've seen in baseball over the last 10, 10 years as far as technology and advancing anything. As technology gets better, things advance. So to say that they're not going to add more technology to the game is probably a, a naive statement because it's going to happen. It's just a matter of how they integrate it within the gameplay to me is where you start getting into some very, very gray, weird areas. And, you know, who knows what the hell is down the road. But, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if there was more technologies, inst- things that were made, made more instant communication av- available for the players uh, on, a, on a given team. But again, you're just getting into some very gray area for, for, for cheating and, and for, you know, people to take advantage of things. I was thinking about this when this mailbag came in. And how you would avoid it. Because it's also different for every pitcher. Some pitchers like the catcher to just put the signal down and then they throw no matter what, right? Don't think, just throw. Other pitchers have a game plan going in and they're shaking off and they're deciding basically the pitcher is calling the game, just the catcher is putting down the signal, but the pitcher is really making the decision. How would you go about this? Because you can't speak because as soon as the catcher is speaking, then the, the batter is going to hear it. So that's well that's it could be done from the dugout well you think about think about so football. that that's what i was thinking too football quarterback coaches. quarterbacks are getting their uh the the play calls in their in their ears so it's it, i mean it's happening in sports right now yes so from the dugout you have or from the clubhouse you have a coach giving the signal and both the pitcher and the catcher hear it now how do you prevent then shady dealings going on with that you have an mlb umpire listening into those conversations to make sure there's no shady shit going on. Right. Uh, yeah. Sitting up in the booth. I don't know. What sitting the... in Chelsea in Manhattan. And MLB is listening to every game. So That's but, a but lot. Thing, but that's what you might have to do. You're talking about too is the, um, the, the ability to, to tap into it or steal it or whatever. I mean, it's not happening in, in football. They've, they've apparently been okay with that. I'm sure the Patriots are listening to conversations that are happening between the head coach and the offensive coordinator and the quarterbacks of the other team. I'm sure that's happening, but it's not really, it hasn't come out there there. and said anything about it. You know, we haven't, so apparently there, that's not a problem in football. So, I mean, I guess you could do that in baseball too. Well, I I don't think you can take any chances with baseball because people are trying to steal signs. So, yeah, but we're not, I mean, that's like saying that the technology isn't like the people that are involved in the technology in football are not as smart to, as the people in baseball. Like that's just not the case for, for whatever reason, it's not happening. They have precautions around it. They have so, yeah. uh, enough so of a safe MLB, so. MLB get with NFL and find out what their process is and exactly the same sort of process. If, you, also, if you're going to go down that road, they're, they're obviously doing it in a way that's working. It would speed up the game for baseball. It would definitely speed up the game. So if baseball wants to get to a two hour, 45 minute game doing this would help because then there's, 
fewer guys stepping off, quicker pace of play. You're not worried about the second uh, the guy out in um, on second base stealing signs because he can't steal signs. There's no signs to steal to steal. Or so. the other thing is, is that uh, if it's if it's a one way communication, whereas the pitcher can talk to the catcher because he's away from everybody and he can actually speak into the mitt. Um, then the catcher can put down X signs, you know, that are, that are more simple or, you know, variations of different signs because of, based on what the pitcher's saying, then you're good luck deciphering any of that crap because yeah, there's so I many different that, ways you could go. I think now that affects some pitchers negatively that don't want to have that responsibility on the mound. Yeah, and possible. also that, there's a lot of different I think that slows down the game even more. Did you read the story about what the nationals did in, um, in the World Series because they were suspicious of the Astros yeah, stealing signs? I, I saw the, the different things that they were – because Strasburg identified it and they, they made had, the adjustment. They had multiple um, series of signals, and they would yeah. switch it up. Depend If they had if, – if a guy had a good swing at a slider, they'd be like, we're going to Series 2 because we think that they're onto something. And then depending – and they had armbands. The catcher had an armband, and the pitcher had it underneath his hat what Series 2 was. And they had like dozens of these series – for 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 the entire thing, and they won all four games in Houston. I'm not saying that's the reason they won all four games in Houston, but I'm not. But I'm not not saying. But I'm not not saying. <laughs> so I mean, that's that's that is such a when you look at what happened this year and the fact that they acknowledge that that when Strasburg was, you you could visibly tell that he was pissed off after you know he came out, and got lit up a little bit early, and then settled down. You could tell that he was mad after the game. They were because that was the game he pitched a, a complete game, right? He, he came out and was talking to, I forget who it was uh, on the field, but after the game, I, there was a visible frustration level that he, he when he made that adjustment because he knew that they had his signs. So the thing that goes back to baseball, everybody on the field, they all knew that they were doing it. Uh, it's just a matter of making those adjustments. And the, and the Nationals, to their credit, I think that makes this thing even more sweet for them uh, and makes it more impressive, the fact that they were literally – Getting the the Astros were trying to cheat, and the Nationals knew it and combated that with all these different uh, series of different signs. And I think that's that's pretty awesome. I don't think it's a it's a, it's solution a big for the, It's not a solution for the regular season though, because I think for a seven game World Series, it's absolutely imp- you can implement that easily. And if the games are four and a half hours, you just deal with it because it's the World Series. But you're not going to do that for 162. Oh games. no, you like, this needs to be squashed. I'm not saying it does, but. The fact that they were able to identify it and they knew about it and then and then shove it down the Astros' throats, you know, because I'm like, I'm this is what I'm thinking and what I kind of hope happened. I'm hoping the Astros, in many many times, thought a changeup was coming and got you know a fastball. It like, could I have, have to negatively impacted them. Absolutely, absolutely it could have. They could have absolutely thought the wrong thing and and were sitting on something that wasn't there and then they get blown away and you see like a smirk from Strasburg. Why did or they crush the ball the though in Washington? Because maybe they weren't thinking about signals; they were just up there hitting I, you know yeah maybe uh, who knows there's so many different factors that could go into play here but the, uh, yeah, the fact that, that they did it yeah. when when the astros were playing in washington they had no signals coming to them so they were just up there concentrating on the at-bat see the ball but, hit the ball but when they were in houston they were trying to listen for whistles and and bangs and coughs and everything from the stands and they were like oh i think i, I think i heard it a slider's coming oh boom fastball i'm screwed <laughs> I, I mean i hope that's how it went down <laughs> Uh, all right, Connor K. He says, what I'm most interested about the whole cheating scandal, what do you think the reaction from opposing players is going to be on the field since we know how much players love uh, taking the law into their own hands? Do you think there is going to be a real problem with retaliation next year by opposing pitchers? 
And he says, if CC was still playing, would he make it past the first inning if he faced them? So this is also something I saw. I forget where I saw. I think maybe one, some old timer was talking about this, but it was like, oh, it, you know, if Bob Gibson found out you were, you were stealing his Get signs, one in the ear. Yeah, he'd throw a 98-mile-an-hour fastball at your forehead. So obviously, I mean, but, but he would not, do that in the game. He would do that in game where it, if if he if he thought that there was anything happening, even on second base or things like that. In the old school days, they would police the game within the game, and it was a lot more acceptable to do it like, that way. And yeah, they would throw inside. So you, it's kind of like the uh, um, looking at the uh, field of dreams. You know, and when when the kid gets into the box, he gets one in the ear because he's a rookie, and you know, just trying to police the game and just know the presence is there. It's just different. The way that things are different. Yeah, yeah that probably would have happened. Um, this is, uh, it's interesting to think about how it's going to happen next year, because I do think that all the, a lot of the players knew what was happening. Like you see all the tweets from, from judge and Severino and, uh, you know, the, the different guys that reacted, like they were just putting it out there. They knew this stuff was happening, but now they're just being public and kind of like making it even worse because they know a tweet will send a different signal. So I, I think that, uh, this was probably happening this year. This was probably going on throughout the year anyway. And now that it's in the public eye, yeah, it could probably give a little bit more emotion to some of the players, I think. Um, but I don't think we're going to see as much of a, an uptick in it because I think it's already was. I think it was widely known in the in the league between the players. Yeah, yeah. I think just from the outcry of players publicly on their social media, you realize that this was suspected. And I mean, if, Trevor, oh, if for Trevor the Bauer very, essentially called them out in the middle of the season, if for the very reason that the Astros had players go to other teams and then probably told their current yes, team about you don't, uh, exactly. Cameron Maben, 1 told million them. percent told the Yankees <laughs> what was going on. Yes. Alex Cora, 1 million percent knew what was implemented going on. what was happening. So with like, the Red Sox. so like, come on guys, of course. It doesn't change the fact that they were mixing things up still and still doing it. And, and this also hear. doesn't change the fact that the Astros were still succeeding at it because they set records for slugging percentage at home this year. They were remember we talked about before the series how unbeatable they were at home, how their offensive numbers were like crazy at home. I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but the WRC plus as a team was so much higher than the next highest uh, split that it was it was laughable. And yes, now we know why it was laughable. Because when you know a pitch is coming, you can hit a home run easier. Duh. The thing is that makes it so crazy is that even though players throughout the league knew that it was happening and they knew all the call signs and they knew all the things, the Astros still went to new levels to find different ways to continue to do it. Like the arrogance level of that is so Trash insanely can. high. Whistles. Um, Whatever the, else. The signals from the bullpen where... The, the bat boy. The, the guy down the line catching the ball in the, in, the, in the lawn chair. So there was another guy who I saw. I read an article. Um, I, I've said that a lot this week. I've read a lot of articles. And I don't remember where they were. But uh, a opposing anonymous pitcher was quoted that the, the attendants who manage the manual scoreboard in um, left field at Houston visited the visitor bullpen. Something oh, took pictures. It, like they, they, they were that, there yeah. like every half inning for some reason. Yeah. And he was like, I've never seen this happen before where we're at an opposing stadium. Usually the guy, you know, an attendant from another from the home team will be there once or twice during the game to check up on things. But this guy was there like 20 times during the game. Yeah. So looking yeah, for so something. That's the thing. Obviously. They're they're going for new. They're, they're doing 
They're looking for new ways to implement their system. But if you have cocky as hell, if you have bullpen coaches, scouts, the emails that went out to the scouts uh, about stealing signs, uh, friggin' scoreboard attendance, clubhouse attendance banging bats on trash cans, somebody in the stands sending out whistle signals. This is not AJ Hinch and a couple of minions implementing this. This is hundreds of people in the organization implementing it. When you have a conspiracy and enough people know, eventually word's going to get out. You can't keep everyone quiet. Someone's going to talk. All right, next question. Mike from in Tampa, down near Tampa, he says, this whole Houston Astros situation is a 21st century Black Sox scandal, if not worse. MLB should throw the hammer at the organization to a level we haven't seen since the Black Sox. Lifetime bans for key figures, massive fines, loss of draft picks, and more. They need to set up a, set a precedent here to make sure this kind of behavior, which damages the integrity of the game, won't be tolerated. So what would satisfy you from a penalty perspective? I mean, I don't even know. The, I think you have to hit them. I don't think hitting them in the wallet hurts nearly enough. What it's if you hit something... them in the wallet as far as a I mean you have to hit them in the tax. wallet. What if a luxury what if you penalize them in the wallet? Yes, monetary fines that go to charity, but also they're they have to operate, you know, if they spend almost like luxury tax penalties, right? To hinder them from signing new players, but then that affects the market and that negatively impacts all players. So like once you go down that road, it's it's gonna get bad because if you so, Put a if you put a, a restraint on the Astros from say signing free agents, players union's not going to be happy about that. That's one yeah. less big player in the market to sign players, right? And it's going to affect uh, the pitchers too uh, on a, on a team that you know theoretically had nothing to do with this. So the, I think the thing is is when you when you start looking at them like you have to start looking at precedent. It's important, especially when you talk about penalties and you talk about the the baseball and the players union and all these other. Uh, the aspects that go into it. So you look at the Cardinals, uh, how they got penalized. You look at the Braves, how they got penalized. So all of these things, taking away international pool money, re- anybody signed goes back into a pool, things like that. Like I think all of that will happen. You have to at least hit those minimums. I think you look at what the Braves, uh, the penalties were for the Braves. They were pretty steep. That was a, a, a that was a steep cost for what they for what they had. I don't think it's as much because they they had significant signings that year. Um, but you have to hit them in that way. You have to hit them in the wallet. You have to hit them with with uh, prospects. Uh, but then you also, I think, have to go at them for for games um, on, on the the people that were orchestrating. You have to hit them from the top. So, and I don't know how much this affects, you know, the the wins and losses on the field. But AJ Hinch to me has to be suspended for a significant amount of time. You have to start looking at other people that were involved with this. Alex Cora. If he was a main person, a main cog in this, he's got to be suspended because he's still in baseball. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what the team is. Yep. Beltron, same thing. Yep. If these guys are part of the game, because it's baseball now, it's not just the individual sport, it's the perpetrators. And yes, it goes deep. So you have to hit the organization and you have to hit the individual players. And I don't, not the players, but I think the orchestrators, I don't think they're going to hit the players. I think they're going to hit the people that were involved in setting this but whole thing Beltron up. was a player in 2017 who, according to these reports, orchestrated the whole plan. So okay, so that's, that's, if, a, that's an interesting theory, case, though. You that's find an interesting out, case. You find out Alex Bregman, right, was part of, like, setting this up. Suspend him. 
It's, this is very. It's truth very is, tough to do that because there's a no because that, now you're talking about organization, organizational ranks and and people. What's the difference in setting it up and executing it? I know it's you're, a you're getting very a very great, great very great. So area. I think that's when you have to start. Only you really touch on the managers. I forgot that Beltran was a player at that point. Duh, uh, but in my mind, he was now he's a manager. So maybe Beltran can't be suspended because of that because he was a player. Uh, maybe that could be a real thing. Well. I think definitely Hinch, I would even say half a season, is not out of the realm of possibility for him. Cora, I don't know if he's going to get as much because he was just the bench coach, but if, say, Cora gets, like, 10 games or, or 30 games or something like that to send a message that it doesn't matter, like you said, if you leave the organization, you're still responsible for what you did while you're you were You're still under there. the MLB umbrella, yeah. Yes, and uh, definitely draft pick loss, definitely fine. National pools. International pool money. But again, how much does that affect the Astros in 2020? I don't know that it affects them. They're still going to win their division. They're still going to probably win 100 games or close to 100 games. So what, what is that really doing to them? You know? And I, I was joking on Twitter with a ton of people this week about playoff suspension for 2020. Can you imagine that if it's like no matter what the Astros record is, their season ends on September 30th next year? That would have such catastrophic ramifications for the organization that I would just love to see it, but that's never going to happen. You're not going to strip them of any awards or titles because that's it's not the NCAA. No. And um, I also joked that they have to play 162 road games next year. <laughs> they just can't play at home. Uh, but no matter... All the realistic. All what if the they penalties. have to? What if? What if there's a? I, here's here's a here's a good one. What if every time they are they have a home game, they have a home game, and every time they're at bat, they're up at bat, a white screen goes down in center field, <laughs> so that they have to hit with a white with a white background and not a and not a, a black background that happens everywhere in baseball because <laughs> everywhere is blacked out behind behind the pitcher so that you can pick up the ball better. Well, they, they gotta have deal to- with a. Yeah, they got to deal with a white screen back there. Like literally, make center field white, and it's a tarp that just comes down every time they're up. <laughs> <laughs> they have to they have to put earplugs in so they can't hear any signals, and blindfolds and blindfolds so they can't see signals. Yeah, I think this white tarp thing is a real deal. It's, it's just it's 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 doing the exact opposite of what they were doing. The, can't pick up the ball. But what I'm realizing is all the realistic penalties are not going to satisfy the public. Yeah. No, it's probably not going to. It's not going to be steep enough. People will be outraged because it won't be steep enough. And, and something like this, it's never steep enough for the public. Um, but you're dealing with so many other different ramifications when you're talking about the, the players' union and, and affecting the, the worth of other players uh, based on free agency. If you, start affect it, if you start toying with free agency and, how the, can't do and their, their ability to sign that, then you're dealing with the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So now you're, you're, you're toying with um, different things that, that, can, that could set a precedent under... Oh. Under sec- under circumstances that are not accurate, I would not want them to. I would not want them to prevent the Astros from either acquiring or uh, signing any free agents again, because that that hurts baseball too much. Yeah, that doesn't yeah, no, just it's, that that hurts. Then you're penalizing the 29 other teams for what the Astros did. Yeah, you know maybe there's a technology ban. Maybe they maybe they. Maybe they don't get the the, the benefit of analytics they at have their to home play stadium. With, they have to play with technology and equipment from 1950. Yeah, no, I mean, like that could be a thing. Like if you if you're abusing the technology that's in, like, so if you're if you're a child and you're it's abusing like you something, your, your you take it away. Out. If you you take yeah, you take it away. You take the TV away for a week. You take all of the, the electronic cameras away. 
They're not allowed to use them. You take all the technology out. You're not allowed to use analytics. You're not allowed to use all these cameras that they give you the good analytics that you need for your organization. All that gets taken away and confiscated. No more uh, analytics for the Houston Astros for a period of three years. Now <laughs> three let's see years? You, now let's see you go out and make evaluations and bring on the Charlie Mortons of the world. Let's what see if, you do it now. What if they can't take planes to road games? They have to take the bus. All buses. <laughs> Affects the players. <laughs> it's going to suck when they have to drive to Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> All right, final question as I cough my way through this podcast. From our friend Lee Jones from Liverpool, England. Hey guys, I recently decided to listen to the 40 or so podcasts that came out before I first discovered the show back in October 2015. I recommend that any other listeners with the time and inclination do likewise as it was a really fun exercise. Hearing you guys justifiably bitch about long-forgotten names like Esmeel Rogers, your excitement for rookie call-ups like Luis Severino, and of course the obligatory Jacoby Ellsbury injury updates. In episode 35, Andrew named his all-time top five most hated Yankees, and I was wondering if the list had altered at all since then. He says, also, as a big fan of Verlander, I'd love to hear which players, past or present, you both like who have never played for the Yankees. So I didn't remember who was on my list of top five most hated Yankees. I emailed Lee back and I asked him to send me what I said my list was. This is from <laughs> September 28th, 2015. My list was Chris Capuano, Kevin Brown, Randy Johnson, Raul Mondesi, and Chase Headley. And I said Chase Headley just cracked the top five and could potentially move up to four depending on how the season ended. Oh, he moved to number one at some <laughs> point. Moved, he flew up those power rankings. I don't know why I hated Chris Capuano so much. I don't even remember, so he's not on the list anymore. I still hate Kevin Brown. I still hate Randy Johnson. And Raul Mondesi was a jackass. So those three guys, I think, that has staying power on this list. <laughs> and for me, Chase Headley is up there as well. And I'm taking Capuano off, and I'm adding Nasty Nate Evaldi on. Oh, he never did anything bad to you besides when after he left. Yeah, the... Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, if you're looking at that, but he wasn't. He, he was. He exceeded expectations. <laughs> the, um, I mean, Ellsbury's got to be on that list because no, he's, he's to, the worst. You have to play to get on that list. Yeah, I mean, he played for a minute. It, uh, the fact that he played for a minute took that contract, and now it's just. Do you consciously think about Jacoby Ellsbury? I don't. I know no, he's I don't. a hindrance on the payroll. So, like, I'm not consciously thinking of Jacoby Ellsbury night in and night, night oh, out. Oh, you're consciously thinking about Ra Raul Mondesi. Not now, but <laughs> at the time I was. I hated Raul Mondesi also because he replaced Paul O'Neill, who was my favorite player. Yeah. I mean, I don't really – I don't have a necessarily hated list uh, when you're looking at the guys now. The guy, I have frustrated – the frustration list, but a lot of those guys have gone away. Like, Pineda was one of those guys. It would drive me insane. Yep. Pineda would just drive me absolutely crazy when he would pitch because of the God-given ability that he had and the inability to, to uh, use it and capitalize it's it. It's kind of like Nathan Evaldi. Similar. Even though it's a little different, too. Pineda was just a freaking mess. Yeah. Oh, that's, a, that's fun. It's fun to go back down memory lane. Esmiel Rogers. <clears throat> a lot of big excitement for, for Rob Refsnyder when he came up and, and was, uh, was <laughs> trying to take the job of Stephen Drew. We spent Stephen so Drew. Stephen Drew was definitely on that list, too. For Stephen 2015, Drew Stephen Drew was, was there. the worst. We spent so many podcasts in 2015 talking about Rob Refsnyder and why he should start. And then he did finally start in the 2015 wildcard game. So we got our wish eventually. Well, no, he also started in the game before the All-Star break in Boston, hit a home run, and then got benched again. Classic. So what are some of your favorite players who never played for him for the Yankees? Um, I mean, Griffey's up there for sure. When you look at the uh, – 
it's the superstars. I think when you look around the league and you see this, I, I always really had a, a big admiration for Tony Gwynn, um, those guys, uh, and Vlad Guerrero. Vlad Guerrero is a fun uh, player that That's I always a great one. He almost had. played for the Yankees, which makes yeah. it hurt even more. He was so much fun to watch just because he could put so much bat to ball. There's, um, who was it talking about this? Uh, Joe, Joe Randoza was talking about, uh, there was a comparison with Andujar and uh, Alfonso Soriano. And I see them still in that category, not to the same extent, obviously, of Vlad Guerrero. But those are bad, those are guys that could hit bad balls. They mm. put a lot of bat to ball, even though, even when the ball's out of the zone. Soriano would, would swing and miss a lot too, but he would also hit some crazy bad balls. Well, the, um, what made Guerrero known for that a the Hall of Famer ball. was that no, but he would he's a bad ball hitter that didn't strike out somehow. Right. Yeah. And I think Andujar is more on that level in the sense that he makes a lot of contact. Uh, you know, not to the level of, of of Vlad Guerrero, obviously, but he makes a lot of contact. But Vlad Guerrero was just a fun player. He was just one of those guys that you were you were you knew was going to do damage at some point, and um, you know. Was, was a damn good player that never obviously played for the Yankees. My favorite player... And he would kill us when he played for the Angels. My favorite player of that like late 90s, early 2000s era that didn't play for the Yankees was Sammy Sosa. I was always a huge Sosa fan. Yeah. I would I never just, like Sosa. Just for the home run derby performances, because he went balls to the wall in the home run derby, sweating. Remember when he swung and missed in the home run derby? That was hilarious. Corked bat. I mean, who uses a corked freaking bat? This dude was on, this dude was on steroids and using a corked bat. Uh-huh. I mean, to talk about levels of cheating, Sammy you know Sosa what? took it to another level. Here's he probably knew what pitch was coming to. I have a question for you. What is more egregious cheating? Knowing what's, what si- uh, pitchers are coming by stealing signs or doing performance-enhancing drugs and corking your bat? Um, I think they're pretty close to the same level, honestly. I think it's it's the premeditation that, that gets me to the Rank point them. of egregiousness. Well, I, I can't because because a lot of the times, a lot of the PED stuff when they were when they were using this, it wasn't outlawed, it wasn't banned for a long period of time. Literally, McGuire had Andrew sitting in his locker during post game interviews. It was sitting right there, clear as day, because it was not outlawed. It was not banned within baseball, and then they banned it. Fine. So now you're 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 getting into different areas where these guys are doing what they've already done that was that was accepted and not 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 policed into a time where now it's being policed and they have to change things that they're doing. So I think it's can some I ask point, the yeah, question in a different way? Sure. What 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 help? What's a bigger advantage? Uh, PEDs or knowing the, what signals are coming. No, I think knowing with the pitch. I agree because you still have to be able to hit the friggin' ball if you're not yeah. on PEDs. Yeah, it makes these guys are further. all top top in the world. But once what you're they at the do. major league level, you're good yeah. enough to you're good enough to get there. And now you know what pitch is coming. Let it's me ask a you a question. Code. What's Chase Headley's exit velocity <laughs> if he's on the 2017 uh, Houston Astros? Because well, if the ball, if you remember correctly, he had probably the lowest recorded exit velocity i think ever it was like 40 miles an hour or something. <laughs> it, <was> something <laughs> it somehow horrible. decelerated when it came off the bat uh, than the pitch right um yeah that was those were fun podcasts me just losing my goddamn mind about chase headley if you were if you were on the 2017 18 19 astros and you were a player how would you would you you know obviously the players were in on this they were they were all for it right they're cocky as shit they're, they're, uh, no, they're yeah, I mean, you can't you can't go in there saying all the players like that's like saying all the guys wanted to take the money. But but at some point, I think 
when you're on a player and the culture becomes something like this, and then all of a sudden you start seeing two or three guys on there, now there's a now there's a there's a pressure. So are you one of the guys? Are you conforming to the team? Are you doing what the team is doing? Are you in? Or are yeah. you gonna be the guy that's not in? Put yourself there's, in there's gonna shoes. be a movie about this. There's gonna be a movie about this at some point because someone's gonna talk about the there's gonna be, you know, things that come out about how there were so many internal uh, probably arguments about like the fact that some guys were okay with it. Some guys were not okay with it. I guarantee this stuff comes out um, with, with the level of, you know, morals and ethical, you know, reasonings and, 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 and participating. I, mean, if in I'm a, if I don't I'm, want the signs. I don't want the signs. Don't bang that goddamn trash can. If, if I'm a book publisher, I'm going to Danny Farquhar, not Danny Farquhar, Mike Fires or, or somebody that was in that organization, Cameron, uh, a camera. No, you go to that. You go to that. GM, you go to that assistant GM that was dismissed. That's assistant, you go to. Yeah, but no one wants to read a book from that jackass. It's yeah, like, but he's a he's going to be a big whistleblower. Yeah, because he's not getting a job. You in get one of those whistleblowers and you have him write a you write a book with them. Get all oh, the their books details. are being. I guarantee those deals are already done. I guarantee that guy's already gone to the bookshop. Book I think publishers. it's really hard if you're in that if you're in that clubhouse and you're there and you're like, okay, I'm watching. I'm watching Alex Bregman up there, and he's already a great player. He was a, a a first round draft pick, and now he's getting these signals and he's hitting moonshots, and his OPS at home is like 1,200. I want in on some of that action. It's the same again. It, that, it's the that, same thing that, as the performance way, enhancing drugs. The other guy's doing it, and look how it's helping him. I want to do that too. I'm in the business of me. I want to get paid. I want to do well. I want to be on all yeah. of the highlights. No, that's I how it starts. I want to know if a slider's coming. That's how it starts. It starts on one team with, with people doing it, and then all of a sudden it starts spreading. And that's why Major League Baseball right now has to take this, uh, this opportunity to nip this thing in the ass. And here's the deal. They're going to nip this in the ass, and then there'll be just some other thing that happens. Uh, of course. Another way to cheat or to yes. do it. Like, I've always, I've always thought that there was something very wrong with the way that Brian Roberts wore those contact lenses when he was with the, uh, the Baltimore Orioles. He wore these, like, orange contact lenses that allowed him to pick up the ball better because the, white, the whiteness was just, uh, for whatever reason, it, it allowed him to Is pick up like the ball Is it like those glasses better. that you see on those infomercials late night where, like, you're, those, like, lenses blue, that help blue you? blue blockers? Help, no, the lenses that help you see better in driving at night or whatever? Yeah, yeah, it's similar to that stuff. So you're, it's, that's performance enhancing. That is but if it's allowed in Major League body, Baseball, then it's allowed. You're right. And that's where, but but the thing is, is it's, it starts out as allowed. PEDs were allowed. Andro was a, was not regulated. Greenies were not regulated. Nobody gave a shit about this stuff until it became a problem because everybody else started using it too. Now all of a sudden you got people abusing it and it's a scandal. So that's when sign stealing. Sign stealing was fine. Now these assholes are using technology and cameras. They're pushing it to another level. You know, this is this is what happens when all of a sudden someone said. You know what? This is making me heal faster. Well, then now people are looking into the different, uh, the different chemistries of these pills, the different chemistries of the of the rubs and the oils that are allowing you to your your muscles to get better. It it's it's when you go to the next level that makes this, um, you know, a, a, a thing that's being abused and become a problem. So you're not taking... that it's not a problem when it's not on a small scale because it's still a problem, but it becomes a grander scale problem because now everybody's trying to take advantage of it in different ways. So you're taking the moral high ground and you're saying that you would not stand for the the sign stealing. You wouldn't have done it if you were up at bat. If I'm if I'm on that team, yeah. Look, I, it's impossible to stand. I know myself. I'm getting those signals. I'm not I, orchestrating the signals. I have a. I I, I, I I would speak up against it. There's no doubt. 
I would. I would speak up against it. Look at it's you bullshit. on your high horse. I would. I don't know if it would. To, I, I. I wouldn't rat people out. I wouldn't do that. I would no. never go to the point of like saying anything outside the organization. But I would absolutely have a problem with it internally. Well, we also don't know what players know of other teams, right? So if if you're on, if you're Carlos Beltran coming in in 2017 and you've played for so many major league teams in your career and you're in the last season of your uh, career, you're looked to as like a wise person in that in that clubhouse, right? Right. What if yeah. Carlos Beltran says, I've played for teams and here's what we do. Oh, Carlos Beltran says it's, it's okay. It's no, okay. I, I, I think there was a lot of convincing. I think there was a lot of... Uh, you know, spinning, making it, making it look like it was fine, making it seem like it was not a big deal, that it wasn't, you know, something that was so morally and ethically wrong with the way that you're doing it because you're literally cheating the other players on the other teams. I think that there was definitely a spin cycle on this whole thing and probably convinced guys. And yeah, I think when you're in a situation like that and you're, everybody else is doing it and you do have a guy like Carlos Beltran, who is the guy that's been in the league forever and has very much clout in this league that says, no problem, I'm doing it, everybody's doing it, this type of thing, but they're taking it to another level that really nobody else has. I think it's very, it would be very easy for a lot of players to just fall into play. Think about all the young players on that Astros team, Springer, Altuve, um, Correa, Bregman. They're going to listen to what Carlos Beltran says. Yeah. It's easy to say that you would not do it, uh, but when you're in a situation like that with, with a veteran guy like that and Beltran who has a good reputation, um, you know, at least that that the players know about that we all know about his fans uh, who was an uh, you know ex- excellent hitter then yeah that that that's, that makes it that much more difficult when he's endorsing it when it's coming from the top it makes it that much more difficult for a guy to stand up carlos beltran he was the mole even though he got his mole removed <laughs> the all thing right. that, that's crazy to me is that he gave this gave the advice to paxton <laughs> knowing yeah, that this, know. knowing, knowing that he was tipping pitches, <laughs> knowing that he was like, what the hell, dude? Knowing that he was doing this illegally, whether they saw it normally or not, still gave it to him. What the he Astros should have done? Like, what are what, you doing? Belcher, was Cameron Mabin on the Yankees? No, Cameron Mabin wasn't on the Yankees at that point. Because what I was going to say is, he Beltran should have gone to Cameron Mabin, who should have gone to Paxson. You got to go like different layers down. Yeah. But at, uh, at a at a level of uh, uncertainty between you, yeah. But but he wasn't on the team at that point. Maybe. Okay, that's that's gonna do it for this episode. Thank you to everyone who submitted mailbag questions. Those were those were great ones, and I'm sure before we're not we done get out of here, hold on a second. What's up? Before we get out of here, do you think part of signing Cameron Maybin in the beginning was because the Yankees knew they needed an outfielder? Maybin was not going to be who he is, who he became. Maybe this was like, you know, the, the Patriots signing a Jets player because they used to do that shit all the time just to get intel. Maybe this was something along those lines. We need to sign a guy. We have a, we have a, a need for a fourth outfielder. Uh, this guy can probably play serviceably. But also, he can give us some information about what the Astros are doing because we know that they're doing something. No, but that's you're, you already had that with Beltron as a special advisor. Oh, I don't think Beltron sang to the Yankees. Are you... As much. No, 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 I don't think he sang like to the level. I think Mabin's more of the guy that would sing. Because what are you talking about? He told James Paxton he was tipping pitches. No, no, no. I, I, but he also claims that he didn't, he didn't do it illegally. I don't think that, that Beltran was as much of a, a mole on the hitting stuff. I, I think that 
Maben was probably the guy more telling on that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I if Carlos Beltran, but they did literally they set him it up from and then Cleveland did, after injury. So no, I don't think that, I don't I don't agree with and you. And then guys. told them after setting it up too, like the the, the details. Like, you're just a moron. How did Cameron Maben start coming into the Yankees and start hitting well? Maybe he implemented some uh, Astro shadiness. No. Nah, he's just go a good check dude. out, go go support uh, Cameron Maven's foundation. Wear dream. We got the hug season shirts still on sale, right? Yeah, they're actually we need to take those out. They're uh, we're about done with that. Yeah. That's it for this episode. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions. We will talk to you next Monday unless something else breaks and we'll come on with a special episode. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.